Happy Fall Saturday. Hey, it's Dave. Thanks for listening to the podcast. I'm not sure when you're going to listen to this, but right now it is a beautiful day in fall. I'm going to the zombie pub crawl later, but let me start off with a story about poop. I told this story on the radio, one of my best stories from last week. We There's a chapter in my book that's called When Things Are Over, Clean Up. So basically, when you go to an event, whether it's a Girl Scout meeting or, a, I don't know, a city council meeting, there's always cleanup that needs to be done. A lot, you know, even if it's wiping off the tables and putting the chairs back in, whatever it is. And there are always people who clean up and there are always people who never even consider that they should help clean up. So one of my chapters in my book is about always help to, you know, pitch in to clean up. And so last weekend, Boy Scout camp out, uh, we're at a big, like, I don't know, a Boy Scout lodge that needed to be cleaned up after three days of boys and girls and men and women. It needed to be cleaned up. So there's the usual people that kind of stand around and drink coffee and, you know, run outside and get in their car and leave as fast as they can. And I think most people, they would clean up, but it never occurs to them that it's not anybody's job. So the boys and the dads and I are cleaning up and we're sweeping and we're wiping off tables. And we're putting tables away. And one of the women says, I cleaned up the girl's room. Will you clean up the men's room? She didn't even say that. I just thought, oh, well, I should clean up the men's room. So I go in the men's room, and there is spray shit all over the back of the toilet. So somebody had sat down, not quite made it all the way down before they spray shat all over the back of the toilet. And it was just as disgusting as you're you're imagining. And I thought, oh, I'm not going to touch that. Then I realized (laughs) it's nobody else's job to do that. There's no janitor there. We are the janitors. There's a caretaker, but... I didn't think that, I didn't know when he'd get up there or whether he or she did, I didn't know. So I'm looking at this and there's like paper towel, you know, like little pieces all over the floor and pee underneath underneath the urinal because when men pee, they dribble all over the floor. You probably know this. And so I went in the kitchen. I asked one of the guys cleaning the kitchen. I said, is there rubber gloves? No. So I got two garbage bags. I put a garbage bag on each hand and a big wad of paper towels. And I cleaned that spray shit off the back of the toilet, and I got it all off of there. I washed my hands 27 times afterward, even though I didn't get anything on there. And I'm not—I I mean, I, I said last week, I said I'm not bragging, but you know what? Maybe I am bragging. I don't know. I'm—I think that it's—it's it's good. I'm proud of the fact that hey, nobody else did this. I went and did it, and I think that if it would have occurred to you you probably would have done it too. But I think it's just an an interesting lesson is that it's nobody's job to put the chairs away or to wipe down the tables after an event. If you're at a restaurant, screw it. I mean, that's what the staff is for, right? But if you're at a, a, you know, if you are renting out the local VFW or you're renting out, I don't know, I don't have a good example. There's a place where our Boy Scouts go to meet and it's called a better society. And at the end of the night, the boys know they got to put the chairs away. They got to put it back the way it was. And if we, you know, have snacks or whatever, they got to vacuum. They got to sweep up. So, uh, end of story on that one. Hey, listen. Last week on the podcast, we talked about a new thing. We got a phone number now, um, and you can call this phone number anytime and leave a voicemail. It's six one two four zero five ninety three fifty nine. I haven't done a podcast in almost two weeks. Just the Boy Scout camp out last week and just being busy, but. I got some interesting uh, voicemails and emails because we talked last week about what you would teach if you could teach something. So we're going to start off. We're going to dive right in. Here's Nate who talks about what he would teach. And I'm going to play his voicemail in its entirety so you can check it out. And he kind of talks about some different things too. Here's Nate. Hey, Dave. 
My name is Nate. I'm uh, I'm also a Chan Happenin resident, and I just got done listening to your podcast. And I was kind of intrigued by the uh, the question and the new the, the question you had for us, and and the phone number that you now have uh, for us to to give you answers. I think that's pretty cool. Um, your question was, what could I teach if I could teach anything? And I sat there and I thought about it for a minute. What I've been doing for the last 13 years is real estate and architectural photography. Um, photography is a tough thing to teach, but what I do is a specific little niche, uh, a fun little gig that is it is very difficult, but I, I have taught many people to kind of do the same thing. I would say that what I do is kind of got to be the, the most difficult photography around town. Um, and I've been a long-time listener. I've been listening to your show ever since you 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 came here. I, I, I've met you a few times, and I think I've told you this in person, that I was one of those kids that were listening to you in the back of Mom's uh, minivan on the way to school and whatnot. Um, but to get back to it, uh, real estate photography. I, I've been doing it for 13 years. I, I've photographed anything from a $50,000 house to a, a $15 million house. Um Minnesota has some outrageous properties, I'm sure you've heard. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of money in Minnesota, and I've, I've heard you over the years say that you've never been able to walk through these multi-million dollar houses on Lake Minnetonka, and uh, let me tell you, it is something. Doing this for the past 13 years, I've been in hundreds of thousands of multi-million dollar houses on the lake all over the place, and... Just when I think that I've seen it all, you walk into something absolutely fucking insane. Uh-huh. So, just wanted to pass on that. I think it's I think it's funny that you've never seen. I mean, it's not funny. I think it's it's, it's intriguing that you've never seen some of these multi-million dollar houses, and and I I do it on a daily basis. So, let me know if you ever want to come inside some of these monsters. It's it's breathtaking. Um. Anyway, thanks for thanks for your time. Again, long-time fan. I'm about to listen to this morning's uh, a show on the podcast. You have a great one. Thanks again. Bye. So that's what Nate would teach. Here's my friend Chris. I've known Chris for 35 years. We started at the same job in Las Vegas, I think on the same day. And Chris is right around my age, obviously. And he just had gastric bypass, some health problems. And Chris is one of the greatest, kindest people I've ever met in my life. He is a little bitch sometimes, and he complains about stuff, but we all do that, and Chris is positive other times, and he's so, he's got a heart of gold. Here's Chris. Hi, Dave Ryan. Chris DeMarco in Las Vegas. If I could teach a class on anything, which actually I hope to do in the future, it would be anybody who wants to have any form of bariatric surgery because uh, I went from 315 pounds to 235 before surgery. And it looks like by my birthday of next year, I'll be at 160 pounds, which I haven't been, I think, since I met you at KLUC in 1984. Anyway, but that's what I would want to teach. I think I would actually prefer doing that and inspiring others and saving their lives even more so than radio, which I've always loved. We're talking about things that you would teach. What would you teach? Uh, Here is an email from a regular podcast listener. His name is Nate. And I'm going to read his uh, his email here. Just give me a second to pull it up on my phone. Uh, and Nate said that he would like to teach a class about um, 
he says, I would like to teach a class on how to use technology to make your life more organized. Besides the general how-to technology questions, this is the number one thing people ask me. Nate works at the Apple store, so he's really good with this stuff. Uh, how do I keep my life straight between a full-time job and other part-time jobs, still having time to spend with my wife, and have a social life with friends? The key is uh, for me is to use my skills and resources to my advantage. I plan ahead. And basically, he talks about how he uses his phone and reminders and calendar to stay organized. He says we share a grocery list using the Notes app, which cuts down greatly on forgetting an ingredient or not getting something we've run out of. Uh, the other thing that Nate says he'd like to teach is how to uh, people to teach people how to manage all their devices, how to make sure they're backed up, and how to efficiently manage your digital life. Photos and video is such a big part of our life because you always got a camera on you. So how do you keep the ones that you want so they don't take all of your storage on your phone and your computer. So you know what I'm going to do with Nate? I'm going to bring Nate in for a podcast in the next couple of weeks, and I'm going to talk to Nate about some of this stuff. What would you teach? Love to hear what you would teach. Um, I would teach public speaking. And I think next week on a podcast, I'm going to talk more about public speaking, but I might get into it a little bit now because um, uh, there's so much to talk about. Uh, my wife um, would teach how to handle your insurance at work and your claims and whether you need this and your 401k and and what is your health spending account because Fallon the other day on our show she said I don't know anything about savings I don't know the I don't know anything about investments I don't even know what to ask about what I don't know about investments and I'm like that's probably really common um, and I think the older you get, you know, you kind of dive in and you just kind of start doing investments. I, start, I didn't even have a savings account until I was about 27 years old. And I forget how it even came up, but a friend of mine worked for IDS, which is what the, it's an investment company and it's a very entry level investment company if you want it to be, but it can be very advanced if you, if you want to be very advanced. But that's what the IDS building is named after downtown Minneapolis. It's now called Ameriprise Financial. And we still have investments that we've had for years and basically, um, I want to have my wife do a podcast with me and talk about mutual funds and your 401k and how much you should be saving and how to save more and how to navigate that insurance world um, and how to, you know, all that stuff that most people, they don't know about. So let me talk for a little bit about public speaking. I've been doing public speaking for, I mean, if you could say I've been on the radio for 30 something years, but the reason that I really wanted to learn more about public speaking is because I would go to career days at high schools and I would get nervous. We might have talked about this in the past on one of our podcasts. I would get nervous and it was frustrating because I knew my stuff really well about radio, but it didn't matter because I couldn't get it out. I'd constantly swallow and lose my place and I'd appear nervous. And let me tell you, once you appear nervous to a group you're speaking to, you make them nervous and uncomfortable. And they're like, Jesus Christ, get it over with. Stop being so nervous. So I was frustrated and at that point, I said, I'm not going to do career days anymore. And I think I did a few, but about 12 years ago, maybe 14 years ago, uh, I went to a Toastmasters meeting. And Toastmasters is that club where you learn public speaking. And you're around a bunch of other people who are also poor at public speaking to a degree. Some people are good at it. Some people are poor at it. But I really thought Toastmasters would be full of people who were like super good at public speaking. Hey, Dave, how are you? Firm handshake and a clap on the back. And it wasn't like that at all. They were full of average people who knew they had to work on their public speaking. And some were more advanced than others and some sucked. 
I'll be honest with you. I've been in Toastmasters meetings where it's like, oh my God, you need some fucking work. <laughs> and I was at that point too. Um, so let me give you some tips on public speaking. First of all, practice. That's the most important thing. Practice in your living room, practice in your car, but practice. A lot of people say, I'm going to go speak from my heart and I'm going to just do the best that I can speaking from my heart. That's the most sincere thing I can do. Fuck that. Don't, <laughs> don't do that. If you want an example of somebody who's speaking from the heart and bombs, go to any wedding where the bridesmaid or the maid of honor or the, the um, best man does a speech from his heart. It's almost always a disaster. I've seen it happen before where a good friend of mine got married. His brother spoke from the heart, and it was awful. He spoke for so long. Don't speak from the heart. Practice your speech, and you'll be amazed how much more comfortable you'll be because you practiced. I'll give you the other one. Keep it to a limited time. Don't speak too long. There's an old saying in public speaking that says you want them to like you just as much when you sit down as they liked you when you stood up. In other words, we've all been to a speech where the, the, the speaker just speaks way too long. And how long is too long? Well, that really kind of depends. It depends on what your setting is. Um, you know, if you're doing a graduation speech and you're the keynote speaker and you have a great story to tell about how you went to the South Pole or how you were an Olympic gymnast and you overcame all these obstacles. I saw Mary Lou Retton do that one time. She was fascinating and she was a great speaker. She probably spoke for 40 minutes, which is a long fucking speech, but she was ready for it, qualified for it. I went to uh, the worst speech I ever saw in my life was my high school graduation speech. They had a guy who had graduated from our high school years ago and now he's a doctor. He was terrible. And he talked for so long. I tell people you have an unwritten agreement with your audience not to speak too long. And if you go over that limit and you break that agreement, that unwritten agreement, they have every right to tune you out and be rude. And that means pull out their phone. That means tune you out. That means even start talking to their friend. Most people wouldn't do that. But if you speak too long, they have a right to reject you as a speaker. Always speak, leave them wanting more. Have them love you just as much when you go to sit down as they do when you stood up to speak. Another rule of public speaking, don't rely on your PowerPoint. A lot of people pull out a PowerPoint as a crutch and they'll use that PowerPoint, which basically they're reading stuff off the PowerPoint that people could read for themselves. Hey, PowerPoints can be useful sometimes, but don't use a PowerPoint as a crutch. I remember I spoke to 800 or 600 accounting college accounting students uh, about five or six years ago, and they said, we want 45 minutes and we don't want a PowerPoint and no notes. So I had to speak with no notes and no PowerPoint to uh, 600 accounting students for 45 minutes. And guess what? It worked out because I'd been experienced enough and practiced enough that I knew the stories they would respond to. I broke it up with some prizes. I did a silly bit where I gave out my phone number to the crowd and then I held my phone up to the microphone and the first person to call me won a prize pack. And of course, my ringtone, remember five or six years ago, my ringtone was call me maybe. And they laughed and they thought it was funny. And then I had them chant something from my book, feed the goat, feed the goat. And it worked out for 45 minutes. So um, you definitely can speak without PowerPoint. Uh, notes is, is something you probably have to work on. But never read your speech if you can avoid it. I've watched people literally read a speech. And there's nothing worse than that. 
Um, here's another thing. Don't start off with a joke because chances are they've heard it. I'm going to tell you a story that I should not tell you, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you anyway. Um, we had a boss on his first day. I'd never met him before. Just a great guy, heart of gold, but he came in on his first day, sat down in the studio and proceeded to tell us a story. And it's one of those stories that it's a joke and it's not true, but they tell it as if it really is true. And this guy sat down with me and Steve, bless his heart. I, I don't know if he's listening or not, but you know, it's not a rip on him. It's just an example of, of what not to do. He came in and told us a story that is supposedly true, but as he told it, I thought, holy shit, he's telling us this really old joke. And he and I'm going, oh my God, when he gets to the end, I've heard this joke. This joke is 40 years old. When he gets to the end, I'm not going to be able to give him a sincere laugh because it's a horrible joke. So we get to the end and he gives me the punchline and I'm like, yeah, that's funny. And Steve was the same way. Steve's like, he'd heard it before too. And it set up a impression for our entire relationship that just wasn't good. And I like this guy. He was a nice boss. He ended up getting let go, not because of the bad joke. It just it didn't work out. But he started with a joke that bombed. Don't start your speech with a joke because some people have heard it already and they don't want that impression. What you can do is start with an interesting story. Dive right in to your content, as we call it in the business. When we turn on the microphone at KDWB, we try not to start by saying 101.3 KDWB, the Twin Cities number one hit music, because by that time, people have tuned out. We most of the time start in by immediately getting to the content, the part that's interesting. So if you're going to tell a story at a speech, start in right away with your story that nobody has heard before. Make sure it's an interesting one. I start my speeches with a story that about how I wrecked my bike because I was stupid when I was about 12 years old. I tell the story and I build it up and then I tell the story about how I did something else that was equally stupid, but one turned out good and one I wrecked my bike and I got hurt, you know, moderately badly. I was okay. Um, but my point in the story is take chances, but don't take stupid chances. But I tell this story about wrecking my bike when I was eight years old or in eighth grade. And I know nobody's ever heard that story because it's my story. So there's another one. Here's one for you. Speak up. People don't like to speak up when they do public speaking. Speak up. Always speak up with some energy. Bring some energy to the room. Make sure the people in the back of the room can hear you. If they can't hear you and they start talking to their friends or texting, that's a way you know you've lost your audience in 2017 or 2018 or beyond. They start texting. You've lost them if they start texting. Once you lose them, you're not going to get them back. Speak up. Don't give yourself a disadvantage by speaking too softly. And here's a little sidebar to that one. Use the microphone. If there's a microphone up there, there's a microphone for a reason. Speak into the microphone. I've seen people literally stand up in a big room and they say, I hate these things. And they'll push the microphone out of the way. The audience will struggle to hear them and they will lose the audience. Do not push the microphone out of the way. Speak into the microphone. It's there for a reason. What else have I got? So we talked about um, practice. That's the biggest one. We talked about don't start with a joke. We talked about don't use visuals if you don't have to. We talked about keep it short. We talked about speak up. Um, I would say uh, know your material. 
I mean, know know what you're talking about. Know your material. And I would say at the end, um, you can summarize what you what you have just said. And absolutely, somebody somebody people somebody made a rule up that said, don't thank your audience. Don't thank your audience. They should thank you for speaking. I just think it's a courtesy. I've done speeches where I've tried not thanking the audience. And to me, it works out perfectly because it signals that you're done. It signals that it's time to applaud. And it signals that you also appreciate their time. There's nothing wrong with thanking your audience. Um, So there's some tips on public speaking for you. So let me talk about what else uh, I have on my schedule here uh, that relates to my book. So uh, this past week, the Boy Scouts announced that they would welcome girls into Boy Scouts. And the world went crazy. And so many people said, this is too much. This is it. So a lot of people ask me, because I'm really involved in Boy Scouts, Carson is about two days, three days from his court, uh, uh, his board of review to make Eagle Scout. People have asked me, what do you think? And I don't like it, but I see some good in it. Why don't I like it? Well, you know me. I'm as progressive as the next average white older guy. Um, I'm not super progressive, but I'm also not crazy conservative either. Uh, But I am all for girls getting every advantage or opportunity that they want. I'm all for girls getting the chance to make Eagle Scout. When we go to Scout Camp or Many Point or Northern Tier or Boundary Waters, there's girl scouts and leaders and rangers all over the place. There's girls that go out on these crews and, and nobody that I know of says there should not be girls here. Why not? There was a troop from Brazil that was at uh, Philmont Scout Ranch this summer. Men and women, boys and girls, probably age 15 or 18 on up. And good for them. That's so awesome. I don't think anybody except the tiniest of minds would say, I don't think that women should learn this stuff. I don't think that's that's not even the battle anymore. I think the battle is, I think that there should be opportunities for boys to just be around boys and girls to just be around girls. I think that boys act differently around girls. I think that girls act differently around boys. Um, boys like to tell poopy and fart jokes and booger jokes and masturbation jokes. And, and I don't think that girls necessarily want to be around that, but maybe they do. I'm not a girl. I don't know. But I think that we should not take away every opportunity for boys to just be around boys and girls to just be around girls. Each troop is going to have its own policy of whether to admit girls. And even if they do admit girls, they'll have their own patrols. I do think this, this is a rough one. Girl Scouts have their equivalent of the Eagle Scout Award, but nobody knows what it is. It's the Gold Award. That's the equivalent of the Boy Scouts Eagle Scout. The Eagle Scout has gotten way more publicity. It's something nearly everybody knows what it is, but almost nobody knows what the Gold Award is in Girl Scouting, even though I've heard it's harder to get for girls than the Eagle Scout Award. And Eagle Scout is tough because I've watched Carson go through this whole thing, and it is tough, and it should be tough because it should represent something. But right now, girls don't have the opportunity to make Eagle Scout. If girls can make Eagle Scout... That's great. I think girls should have that on their college application. They should have that on their job application. They should have it on their resume. That's an honor. The gold award doesn't carry the weight. That's nobody's fault except 
Girl Scouts. I think they have not done a good job of publicizing that. I think they needed to do a better job. But then again, maybe they tried and they just hit a wall. I don't know. So do I think that there should be girls in Boy Scouts? Yes and no. How's that for a pussy answer? I think yes and no. Um, I, there's definitely good in it, but I don't think that everything should be brought together like that. I don't know that girls want Boy Scouts, boys in their scout troop. I don't know that, but I do think the opportunity should be there for, and here's another thing, just a sidebar, two things. Steve never knew that his wife got the gold award in Girl Scouts. How could you not know that? But I think that's kind of the invisibility of the gold award. The other thing is Fallon was a Girl Scout, and she said, we didn't learn stuff like survival skills and kayaking and rock climbing, and we didn't learn how to build a campfire. We learned more, I don't know what is the right word, crafty home things, like maybe how to make a tie-dye shirt. And hey, you know what? That's fun. But maybe Girl Scouts needs to step it up and teach girls how to make a campfire in the rain. Yes, you can make a campfire in the rain. It's a bitch, but it is possible. But here's where I welcome your input. If I'm wrong, if you're a Girl Scout, if you were a Girl Scout, Girl Scout leader, let me know what you think. Do girls have a different program? Should girls have a different program? Uh, leave me a voicemail to 612-405-9359. I'm going to wrap up with one chapter from my book, and that is chapter 30. For guys only, one skill you should have. I've always admired the guy who can sit down and entertain everyone by playing the nearby piano. Wow, is that ever a cool skill. Find an old upright at a school or a hotel lobby, and he can sit down and bang out The Entertainer by Scott Joplin, Music Box Dancer by Frank Mills, or Don't Stop Believing by Journey. Now, if you're not already an amazing piano player, you never will be. You're too busy. You've had, uh, if you've had great musical ability sitting dormant inside you, it would have shown itself by now. Settle for being able to find a good radio station on your car radio. The good news is that one skill every guy should have, and I'll add to this now, four or five years after I wrote this chapter, every girl should have this skill too, but particularly guys, learn how to build a fire. Uh, accidental fires start all the time, but just try starting a fire on purpose. It might sound easy, but unless you try to do it lately, you probably don't realize it's kind of tricky. You might get a bundle of paper started with no problem, but getting those papers, uh, those bigger pieces uh, to catch isn't as simple as it sounds. You can have an entire Sunday New York Times and a pile of dry leaves and still be unsuccessful. I'm not going to tell you how to build a fire. You can probably go on YouTube and find all kinds of helpful tutorials. But what I will say is next time you're at a cabin during a snowstorm, you'll be the big hero when you build a big blazing fire for your friends. And that's almost as impressive as playing the piano. Hey, listen, this is our longest podcast to date, but we had a lot to talk about. Thank you for listening. Remember, get a hold of us. Uh, and when I say us, it's just me. I don't have anybody who does this for me. Uh, get a hold of me. Send me an email to Dave Ryan at KDWB.com. Go on our Facebook page, take a shower, show up on time and don't steal anything. Leave a message or make a post. I'd love to see you make a post on there. Or call our voicemail at 612-405-9359. I appreciate you for listening to the podcast. I hope you enjoy it. Love any feedback. If you have anything that you want to talk about, let me know. Maybe you know a chapter from the book 
that you want to talk about or you don't agree with or there's a chapter that rubs people the wrong way about dyeing your hair blue. I think it's stupid, but some people think that it's expressive and you can be expressive. I think there's better ways to be expressive rather than dye your hair blue. But that's just me, and that's great as we can disagree on things. Send me an email or... Um, uh, call me at 612-405-9359. Hey, the book. Don't forget the book. If you don't own it yet, you can download it on Kindle. Take a shower, show up on time, and don't steal anything. Or you can order it on Amazon or check your local bookstore. A lot of the big bookstores have it. If they don't, they can order it for you. Thanks for listening. And remember, take a shower, show up on time, and don't steal anything. We'll see you next week. Bye.